0: Wizard of Whiskey presents Swig and Ramble, a
1: podcast for the modern age. Come for the whiskey, stay for the shit show. Introducing Justin Curry at Wizard of Whiskey, Julia Men at the wee tipple, and now, pour yourself a drink and enjoy the show. I know I will.
0: Welcome back, Ramblers, to another rousing episode of Swig and Ramble. We're very happy to have you here. And also, while this uh, episode isn't going to come out until we release season three, obviously, we are recording it on 420 So very apropos for the topic of conversation. And what better way to celebrate this unofficial holiday than by interviewing the one and only Ted Dumbald, founder of Sono 1420, a craft distillery in Southern Norwalk, Connecticut. Welcome to the show, Ted.
1: And Thank you very much, Julie, glad to be here.
0: Well, we're very excited to have you here. And before we jump into what's in our glass and what showers our mashes today, I think we should start with a bit of background. So please tell us about SONO 1420 and what makes it stand out from the craft distillery crowd.
1: Sure, so you're right. Today is a, a, a very good day for us having this conversation because it's actually the fourth anniversary of when we officially launched our business in, back in 2019. And uh, in addition to being the fourth anniversary of our business, most people are well aware that today might be National Marijuana Day, uh, followed by tomorrow is, is National um, uh, Drug Testing Day. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so the the why today is significant, not just because of our anniversary, but um, our distillery, and following on to your question about what makes us different, is that the idea behind the brand that we started four years ago is associated very closely with the world of cannabis. Um, Under current federal regs, of course, marijuana is still illegal, although I think there's now 33 states that have legalized cannabis in one form or another. But this brand was um, originally conceived because we do believe there's a collision course between alcoholic beverage and, and cannabis And at some point, there's going to be a a much tighter integration between the the two industries, especially once cannabis cannabis gets fully legalized or descheduled at the federal government level. So, um, the the first product that we made were whiskeys using hemp seed in the mash bill. uh, And then we started making some gins using terpenes, uh, some of which were extracted from the cannabis plant. All of these are are federally legal uh, products because under federal regs, you cannot put in THC or CBD and alcoholic beverages. Um, and then most recently, we developed a, a, a bourbon that's got in, infused with cinnamon. And uh, we're about to launch a partnership with the largest manufacturer and grower of cannabis in the state of Maryland. And when we developed our cinnamon whiskey, we named it Blaze because it's <laughs> Bit of a double entendre there and we have the technology to remove the alcohol from our our bourbon infused with cinnamon and we're now going to be uh replacing that with with, uh, with some thc so uh, maryland's going wreck uh cannabis uh, as of july 1st so if things go according to plan uh if you're in maryland um you'll be able to buy our blaze thc product which will be a 50 ml nip size um, bottle that tastes just like our um, blaze alcohol version but rather than getting a buzz from alcohol you can get a buzz from thc so anyways that's it's uh, i'll I'll stop talking there because that's uh, probably more than you asked for at this point but anyways that we're happy to be here thanks for the invitation
0: yeah no that's a great summary background of obviously why we wanted you on the show, because you're a craft distiller, you're local to Connecticut, which is where I am. And I just love your products. And I think what you do there is really cool um, and just different. It's off the beaten path. And I know there's always so much legal issues surrounding this whole world. So we might dig into that in a little bit, Uh, but let's start off with what's in my glass and what sours my mash, Justin. What's going uh, on with
2: you, my friend? You look a little rough. Yeah, well, a happy 420 to everyone who does imbibe. Uh, hopefully very soon, our efforts here on Swig and Ramble will change the hearts and minds of those who still believe that this uh, fairly harmless uh, weed uh, could be uh, or should be illegal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So we're gonna we're gonna launch this we're gonna have a lobbying uh, effort for 2024 uh we're announcing uh this week we're gonna get on an elevator uh, escalator in Trump Tower and we're gonna do that this week <laughs> um so yeah uh free the free the weed people um and let's let's on a very serious note for two seconds let's let's literally free the people because uh people shouldn't be in jail for this. Uh, uh, at least at least decriminalize it so that people can actually get out of jail and get on with their lives uh anyway so uh, i'm drinking uh chateau water uh <laughs> seven minutes ago was a very good year oh uh, so,
0: that's so lame how I are, take a are you so of that.
2: Uh, i'm still uh, recovering from all the diseases um <laughs> that i picked up on my my travels. Uh, However, I am very excited to to taste uh, Ted's stuff. Um, but uh, what sours my mash? We're we're on social media because we're you know not necessarily influencers ourselves, but we you know we have a podcast and we have to be on the social medias. Um, and as a result of that, we spend time on social media looking at other people's stuff. And I have to say, stop it! Everyone, just stop. If I see one more, oh my God I they have the, this this idea of watch me, watch me, watch me has mm. permeated every aspect of my social media. I'm, I'm a I'm a culinary trained person. I I've been cooking professionally for 20 something years um, and I like to watch you know other people do but but no, people are doing all kinds of hacks with pasta no stop hacking things just just do just do stuff but but don't film it because you don't need to number 1 and number oh. 2 why why and this is going to sound awful i'm sorry it's not meant to sound awful why are you practically naked woodworking stop that they have ruined my woodworking tiktoks it's all scantily clad people men and women Stop that. Put on protective gear. Put on pants. Why, why are you sawing in a sports bra and yoga shorts? Go put on some damn clothes. <laughs> Ted, what's your mask? What's in your glass, my friend?
1: Well, in keeping with the, the theme of today of 420, it's not a huge, huge problem. And it's not pervasive, but uh, it does a, a crop up on occasion. So, Um, as previously mentioned earlier in this uh, podcast, you know, our, our brand is built around, um, this collision course between alcoholic beverages and cannabis. And so when we first started, that was a big part of our message. And we've been fortunate over the last couple of years to win some, uh, very prestigious, uh, spirits awards, which has allowed us to evolve our marketing from just, okay, we're a unique Um, brand that has this affiliation with cannabis to, yeah, we have this unique brand, but actually it really makes some really, really great spirits. I mean, two years running now, we've won double gold medals from the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. But invariably, I would say maybe, maybe not 10%, but on occasion, we will go into a new store, uh, typically a a liquor store. And uh, as we um, attempt to educate the store buyer or the store owner about our products, the minute we mention hemp seed, they throw up their hands and say, oh my God, we are anti-marijuana. How dare you come in here with a marijuana-based product and get out of here right now? And I kind of look at them and say, you know, I don't say this, but I'm thinking to myself because the customers always right and we don't want to get into a fight, but you know, you are running an alcoholic beverage uh, for, uh, establishment, and if you take a look at the history of alcohol and the damage it does to people, and, you know everybody. You know, every, everything in moderation, right? But there's there's an opportunity for people to overindulge in alcohol, and it you know can destroy lives. And it's there's probably a lot more examples of people's lives who have been destroyed by alcohol, then there are examples of people whose lives have been destroyed by marijuana. I mean, there's uh, very few people in, in just the the nature of of the cannabis plant and the effects it has on your body. It really affects the more executive function functions of your brain as opposed to those more uh, pri- um, primal uh, functions of your brain. So no one's ever died from an overdose of cannabis because it doesn't stop you from breathing like some of the other drugs out there. And it's very difficult. Most of the research says that people can become addicted to um, marijuana, but it's more of a psychological addiction as opposed to alcohol, which is definitely a you know physical addiction if you um, allow it to t- take over your life. So that's what uh, sours my mash that you know, people still have these very closed minds, they're, they're, you know, involved or they make their living from selling alcohol, but then they are completely anti-cannabis and have very closed minds about uh, a plant that has actually some very valuable medicinal benefits for for many people. So anyways, I'll get off my soapbox after that.
0: (laughs) Are you drinking anything this bright early morning? (laughs)
1: So you know, one of the advantages slash disadvantages of my job is that we are constantly making new products here—not new products, but you know, new batches of our our products. And so, um, part of my job is to do quality assurance. So this morning, hey. um, we were making a batch of our strawberry lemonade haze, and so I, oh. I had to I had to make sure that uh, this latest batch met our, our qualifications. And I think. This afternoon we're doing another batch of our bourbon, so unfortunately I'm going to have to taste uh, some of our uh, sample, some of our barrels to make sure we select a proper barrel. And then yesterday we made uh, transfusions, and then uh, we're making uh, uh, espresso martinis later today too. So yes, I've got quite a few things in my glass.
0: Well, shucks, that just sounds awful. And poor who would thing, ever want your do, job.
2: How do you? I mean, how do you make it through the day, frankly? Yeah, it's, poor it's thing. I mean. It's really oh my god think speaking of, of strawberry haze
0: though holy crap is that dangerously delicious it is it's it's a silent sleeper man oh my goodness I yeah it yeah. tastes so good and so refreshing and yet there is alcohol in it is it vodka
1: yeah so for the most for the people your listeners that may not be aware of, of all of our products. We do have a line of, of uh, ready to drink cocktails. So good. And the, the most popular one is this strawberry lemonade haze. Uh, you know that if you're a cannabis person, you probably know about lemon haze or haze this and haze that. So that's where the name comes from, but it doesn't have any cannabis, no THC in it, but it does have a uh, fresh lemon juice. It's got vodka that's been infused with fresh strawberries. And then we add a little bit of sweetness. So it's just, it's essentially a, a spiked uh, strawberry lemonade. And you're right, it's it's extremely delicious. It, it weighs in at 14.2% alcohol. So, but it doesn't, has a little bit of alcohol flavor, you know, it tastes like a, a real cocktail. You know, a lot of the seltzers out there um, don't seem to, they're more like. no. Yeah. Non non well, spirits, you know, you know they don't, there's no alcohol in there. There might be five percent, but they don't taste like it. So ours are real cocktails, but they taste really good. And if you're not careful, you can can overindulge.
0: Yes, we are a fan of alcohol and big proponents of weed on the show. But please always imbibe responsibly, kids. That's right. And um,
2: or, 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 or or do one That's an option too.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. very true. um I like to think I'm making up for Justin's lack of drinking this morning by having three drinks in front of me Uh, because also I'm a little under the weather and unlike Justin who drinks water to get better I drink alcohol to burn out the disease so that's totally how that works right um so Ted graciously gave me um some samples to try uh so I have some of his threesome cocktails (laughs) very punny I love, I love your witty naming, um, but they are named thusly because it's basically an RTD that you just open up the three caps. It comes in a three bottle, like little nips. You unscrew them all. You can add them to a shaker or just chill it down in the fridge and then pour it into a glass, and then you're ready to go. So I have the ready-to-mix cocktail margarita their Cosmo, and then as he was mentioning earlier, their Blaze Whiskey, which is the alcoholic version because we can't do THC drinks here in Connecticut yet. Um, and I have to say, all your products are great, really nice standards, good quality. I think I am most surprised by the Cosmo because I have not had a Cosmo in at least a decade. I think there was one night involving Cosmos and teenies early on in college and that was it i've never had a cosmo or an appetini since so i was a little trepidatious because you know memories they they color your life experiences but this is really freaking delicious let me let me just try it it's a beautiful beautiful pink color oh yeah that is silky it's not overly sweet it's very very nicely balanced and this is just absolutely crushable like shit if all cosmos tasted like that (laughs) world would be different for julia because i would probably (laughs) be having those more um the margarita is also absolutely delicious let's just have another wee tasty taste nice and tart is there salt in this? Because it tastes a little bit salty.
1: No, we didn't put any salt in that. But that's, you know, maybe not not a bad idea. But if you're picking up salt, that's a good thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, it might just be my palate first thing in the morning. Uh, I do taste a little bit of salinity. And then bouncing over to the Blaze, which, uh, as Ted said, it's their cinnamon bourbon. So the most prominent cinnamon whiskey on the market is Fireball. This blows fireball out of the freaking water, I have to say. And you can tell it just based on the nose. You get real pure cinnamon on this nose. It smells like uh, like a simmer pot in autumn or baked apple pie with a lot of fresh cinnamon and nutmeg and beautiful baking spices. And I'm drinking this one primarily because... You know, it's whiskey and cinnamon, which have both healthy benefits in moderation. So hoping that'll kick all my allergies into the dust. This is just delightful. It's not sickly sweet at all. It has just a nice little kiss of sweetness to it. That cinnamon really comes through. There's no harsh bite or burn from the bourbon. This is just perfectly balanced and perfectly delicious.
1: If you don't mind me giving a little... Uh... Mm. At a uh, commercial here for the blaze, so you're right, it's it's a much higher end, uh, more sophisticated um bourbon compared to the fireball. Which number one, it's not a bourbon and they can barely call it whiskey. Uh, yeah, you might have seen there's a, a lawsuit going on right now because um, fireball has two versions of their fireball, one is a Fireball Whiskey, uh, which could be sold only in stores that are permitted to sell spirits, but they also have a separate product that's called Fireball Cinnamon. And unless you look very closely at the label, you would think it's this regular Fireball Whiskey, but in reality, it's a malt-based product. Hmm. And under most state regs, um, it's easier. There's or there's more stores like gas stations or supermarkets can sell beer and wine, but a lot of them can't sell um, liquor. So Fireball in order for them to get a greater number of points of distribution came up with this Fireball cinnamon, which is a, a malt based product. So some uh, somebody figured that out and says, wait a second, all this time, I think I'm drinking Fireball whiskey, but in reality, I'm drinking Fireball beer it's not, really, not so they're being sued right now. so we we only use real whiskey uh, real bourbon and uh, so that's another point of differentiation. So anyways,
2: it's it's funny it was discovered because of their small bottles they contain no alcohol, essentially no alcohol um, And so people started realizing that how how they started realizing that I don't know because if you drink fireball, you're essentially a horrible person, um, but so
0: many, uh, wow. yeah, so yeah.
1: many people. I'm I had not no idea. I don't want to denigrate fireball directors.
2: You, you don't have to say it. I'm saying it. Um, but uh, actually, so fun, fun fact, uh, ramblers. Did you know uh, that uh, George Washington was actually uh, a distiller of cinnamon whiskey? I did not know that. Really. That is not a real thing, by the way. Do not Google that. <laughs> um,
0: Fucking but, liar. Uh,
2: like, I, knew I, I like to occasionally slip in things like that because it's fun and sometimes people will Google it and then they'll they'll send me, I've, I've, people have sent me messages in the past, you liar, I'm
1: like, let's well, bring this, it down a notch. Speaking of George Washington, this yeah. is a true statement. He, he did, uh, was a hemp farmer way back when. So, I, In fact, it was. Yep. Oh,
0: shut the front <laughs> door. <clears throat> well, my um, sours, my mash is very simple. Fuck allergies, they're the worst moving on. I think everyone can agree. Um, So we won't spend any time delving into that. However, Ted, super interesting career path you've had. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your previous positions and what the heck led you to creating your own distillery and using hemp? That's definitely off the beaten path.
1: Yes. Well, uh, I've got quite a long uh, career. I've been in the business world for more than 30 years. So I won't bore you with all the steps to get from here to there, but to kind of give you a sense of the eclectic uh, nature of my experiences. uh, In uh, undergraduate, I went to the United States Naval Academy. I was an engineer there. I played football. I received a couple of scholar-athlete scholarships, which allowed me to go straight to graduate school. I was And as I said, an engineer, and I was going to be a nuclear submarine officer. So I wanted to get a business degree. So I went up to MIT and got my MBA in finance, went back into the Navy, was the submarine officer for five years, did five uh, patrols where I was out underwater for about 70 days at a time. So I spent over a year of my life underwater, no alcohol out there. So uh, it was definitely a self-imposed or a a government-imposed dry period. Uh, after five years of doing that, decided, you know, I, I think I got uh, want to do something a little bit different. So I used my MBA, went to Wall Street and worked on Wall Street for about 20 years, worked for some of the bigger um, South side firms like Bear Stearns and Deutsche Bank. And then I set up my own business, uh, money management slash hedge fund. So we traded in lots of different securities and started making some investments in private companies, which kind of leads to how, where I am today. So about uh, seven or eight years ago now, I invested in a medical cannabis company located here in Connecticut called Cureleaf. Um, it was not doing very well. So I then joined as the CEO and um, turned the company around and then we ended up selling that. But as a part of my um tenure as the CEO, having no background in cannabis, my military career, my athletic career didn't really allow me to be a, a purveyor or a, 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 um, I didn't enjoy cannabis uh, back in the early days, even my my high school and college days. So I, I took it upon myself to learn everything I could about uh, the, the cannabis space. And that's during that exploration, realized that there was an opportunity to build a brand of of uh, alcoholic beverages that um, would be at that intersection of cannabis and alcohol. So uh, back in 2016, I think it was, I had this brilliant idea to to make whiskey using hemp seed in the mash bill. So I bought a little still and, and illegally made whiskey in my basement and uh, pretty quickly realized it was a lot of fun to do this and um, made some pretty good whiskey and shared it with some friends and they said hey we think you're on to something so uh, that was gosh seven years ago now and took me a few years to get all the licensing you have to have a federal permit and you have to have state permits you have to have local permits and all that kind of stuff so uh, as I said earlier in the show um, finally got everything in place and so we opened our doors four years ago today so that's the roundabout way to go from Being a uh, high school football player in in Troy, Ohio, to going to the Naval Academy in Annapolis, to being a submariner on the North Atlantic, to now uh, making whiskey and other spirits here in Connecticut.
0: I love hearing about people's stories. And cheers, I will drink to that, my friend. Cheers. Now also tell us, what is the meaning behind the name SONO 1420?
1: a very good question and it's all it's 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 all related here so um we are um really happy to be located here in south uh, norwalk southern part of connecticut uh we're, we're very involved in the local community whether it's supporting uh the first responders or local artists or other businesses here so we wanted to celebrate that by incorporating Sono South Moorwalk in the name of, of our business, so that's the first half. The second half is not quite as obvious, but um, it 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 you'll you'll understand here in a minute why. So, going back to almost uh, over a hundred years ago now, uh, when the first uh, prohibition that this country uh, experienced was was of course prohibition for alcohol, um, in order to um, outlaw alcohol, the powers that be decided to pass the eight to create and then eventually pass the 18th amendment to the constitution. So it was constitutionally illegal to manufacture and consume alcohol for recreational purposes, uh, starting in, uh, I think it was 1920. But it was on February 3rd of of 1919 that Connecticut became the first of only two states that failed to ratify the 18th Amendment. At the time, Connecticut had a large population of immigrants, many of which came from countries that were well known for uh, consuming alcohol. You know, if you were a blue collar worker in the factories in Hartford or or New Haven or whatever, you'd come home after work and you'd want to drink your beer or your, your whiskey. And so even though the country um, was moving very quickly to prohibit the consumption of alcoholic beverages, Connecticut said, nope, that's not us, we don't wanna do that. And so when it came time for the state senate to vote on this amendment, at the time there were a total of 34 state senators and 14 of them voted for the amendment and 20 of them voted against it. And therefore in Connecticut, it did not pass. Well, unfortunately for the residents of Connecticut, most other residents in the United States, by the time Connecticut voted, there was already the two thirds required um, a vote or um, states had voted to pass the amendment. So it obviously everybody knows prohibition came into being in in 1920 and lasted until 32. But during that period of prohibition, Connecticut said, this is not for us. We didn't vote for it. So we're just gonna ignore that this uh, amendment exists. So throughout the times of prohibition, Connecticut was known as quote, the wettest state in the nation because back then it was the wets versus the dries. uh, were competing for you know this this moral uh, outrage and so Connecticut if you you know you look back at Great Gatsby and Westport and here in Connecticut or in, in Southern Connecticut in many of these states there was a um, you know huge parties and a lot of run running and bootleg it was all throughout this this part of the, of the country um, and so that spirit of individual choice and and freedom from tyranny. Uh, we and plus we're obviously experiencing another form of prohibition in today's world when it comes to cannabis. So in celebration of that and in a nod to our our, um, our forefathers here in the state of Connecticut, we decided to name our company 1420. But the added little benefit is to that name is that if you de-emphasize the one and 1420, like we do on our label, you're left (laughs) with 420. So Ah! it's a wink and a nod and double entendre to our roots uh, in the prohibition of a different kind in today's day and age. And and it's very consistent with our brand. So there you go, that's the story.
0: I love it, I love it. I love how witty and clever you are, how you always tie in all of the important components. Now, speaking of important components, you've mentioned you use hemp seeds as part of your MASH bill. Now, for those listening, I would love you to describe what is the difference between hemp and THC? Because one is legal with alcohol, one is not. And it can be a very confusing subject for a lot of people.
1: So uh, just kind of cannabis 101. So um, the cannabis plant, um, its official name is cannabis sativa. And um, it's a natural occurring plant that's been throughout the world for thousands of years. Um, I'm not sure who first realized that it would have these uh, effects on your body, but pretty quickly, or at least for, you know, going back here in the United States, uh, over a hundred years, cannabis uh, was um, used by many people to alter their moods, but, you um, it was outlawed in uh, 1932. Um, And at the time, there was no distinction between the two um, categories of cannabis, which is marijuana and hemp. And it's the same plant, but from a legal definition, hemp has in its uh, mature female flower, less than 0.3% THC, okay? So when marijuana was illegal, made illegal back in 1932, there was no distinction between <clears throat> hemp and marijuana, the psychotropic compound. Uh, however, during World War II, for a short period of time, hemp was uh, re-legalized because uh, the cannabis plant, um, it, it's a, if it grows in the wild, is a very long, tall plant that has really great fibers. And so the Navy was using hemp fibers to make um, ropes and lines to use for the ship. So during World War II, they needed these. So they made uh, hemp legal again for the production of, of uh, lines to use on the Navy ships. Then after World War II, it went back to being illegal. So um, going fast forward to like the 70s during the war on drugs um, marijuana was being used like during by the soldiers in Vietnam and, and the, the hippies here in, in, in the United States. And there was a the war on drugs. So uh, the federal government decided to crack down on the illegal growing of marijuana. And back in the day, um, a lot of or most of the, the marijuana was being grown here in the United States outdoors. And a lot of uh, marijuana farmers would plant it between rows of corn so you couldn't see it from you know the- uh-huh. but so then the feds or the local law enforcement real decided okay we're going to get smarter than the the druggies so they started flying helicopters or airplanes and they would spot that so that then caused uh, a lot of the growing to be moved indoors so once you move the growing of a natural plant from the outdoors where you've got free sunshine and you know rain and all that you move it inside now you've got a very big challenge of okay yeah. you got to you got to have lights and, and got, you can't have it too warm a too warmer room so you need air conditioning to keep the rooms uh um air, well uh, uh condition and the like and so once you bring it indoors now space is at a premium and cost. So there was a huge incentive for those illegal growers to um, not genetically modify, but breed the plant so that it had higher levels of THC. So there's statistics that back in the 80s and early 90s, if the confiscated marijuana had maybe three or five, 6% THC. Well, once the growers started moving indoors and they started breeding the cannabis to have higher levels of THC, now you can find it's you know very, most uh, marijuana that you'll find in a dispensary um, is anywhere from 18 to 35% THC. Mm. Right? So that's clearly gonna get you high if you smoke um, a joint made from that, that marijuana. Well, at this, on the, at this other end of the spectrum is is hemp and hemp by legal definition has less than 0.3% THC. And so it won't get you high. And there's some products coming off the hemp plant <clears throat> that are very uh, valuable. So hemp seed or hemp seed oils got the really great uh, ratios between omega-3 and omega-6 six fatty acids. So it's very helpful. Uh, healthful, um, hemp uh, fiber can be used to make cloth. It can be used to make you know, uh, ropes that people are now building houses with it, making it cement. So Senator Mitch McConnell, most people who turn their nose up because he's a very conservative Republican senator out of um, Kentucky, he was very influential in getting the laws changed because as his constituents in Kentucky started losing their livelihoods because their big um, uh, industries formerly were... Um, coal mining or growing tobacco, both of which industries are in, de- in decline, but many of, of the, the current descendants of the former hemp farmers said, hey, you know, hemp's a very valuable crop um, away from being a marijuana-based product. So long story short, in 2018, mainly due to a lot of efforts by Senator Mitch McConnell, hemp was legalized. Uh, at the federal level. So pretty much anybody can now grow hemp as long as it has less than 0.3% THC. So it's a long story to get for where I am. So today, so we use hemp seed in our mash bill and anybody that's bought a bad bag of weed back in the day, probably remember seeing these seeds uh, in their their nickel bag or dime bag. Um, And if you look at a hemp seed versus a marijuana seed, they look exactly the same because it comes from the same cannabis sativa plant. Um, and there's, even if I you were to buy a marijuana seed, there's no THC in the seed because the THC or the cannabinoids are found in the flower of the uh, mature female plant. And there's two, uh, in, in the um, cannabis plants, there's both male plants and there's female plants, where some other plants like tomatoes, are um, uh, monoecious, meaning that they they're both male and female so they can they can pollinate themselves where in and cannabis you need a, a male plant to pollinate the female plant huh. and, and then once they get pollinated they, they have seeds okay. so uh, we only use um, what we're allowed to legally and plus hemp seed is is cheaper than marijuana seeds because you can now grow them outdoors and so we we are able to now buy um, in bulk um, hemp seeds and or hemp hearts, which is uh, you think of a sunflower seed, it's got a hard shell, and you, you, most people don't eat the full sunflower seed; they crack the shell off and they eat the the uh, sunflower seed. And, and same thing with the hemp seed; it's got a hard shell. We have that hard shell cracked off, and then we use the the um, it's called a hemp heart to to um, cook into our mash bill. So that's a a, a quick, maybe not so quick, uh, rundown on the difference between marijuana and and hemp.
0: Well, I think you condensed a very complex and rangy topic to be well understood in a brief amount of time. So I think that is incredibly helpful to our listeners and any yeah anyone else who stumbles across this show and wants to learn more holy crap, that was an awesome lesson you just gave. So thank you for that.
1: Hopefully it wasn't I, too too, con- too convoluted, but yeah, thank you.
0: I it wasn't tonight.
2: Off. I would have simply said, William Randolph Hearst wanted to make more money in lumber and killed the hemp industry. That's what I would have said.
1: <laughs> that, that's one, one way to simply
2: say it. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yep. Right. I mean, both are correct. Now, speaking... Of him because that is what you use in your mash bill, but you also love double entendres and plays on words. Talk to us about your gins, which anyone who listens to the show knows I adore gin. I fucking love your gins, especially the Bangtail, which I believe is the Navy Strength. Language, now tell gin. us about. Hey. Okay. Use more. Use more language is what I'm saying. Use more. Use more of the more. language,
2: for fuck's sake, I
0: mean... um. So tell us about your different gins and how they relate to this world.
2: Yep.
1: So again, we'll have to do a little bit of uh, Cannabis 101, but in the world of of cannabis, whether it's on the medicinal or recreational sides, most people that have any um, working knowledge of cannabis will know that certain strains of cannabis will might have different effects so people you know talk about getting high so you know they're really up and uplifted and you know energetic or others you get stoned you get you know couch locked so you just sit on the couch and play video games all day and uh the reason that those different strains have those different effects on uh, the human body is not because of the thc which is the psychotropic compound that gets you high But it's the combination of that thc with uh, essential oils which are more commonly known in the cannabis world as terpenes and terpenes are the um, aromas that create um, the very distinctive smell of cannabis so getting a little um, wonky here with 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 from a chemistry perspective Uh, THC is a very large molecule. So when you extract it out of the the female flower and uh, you concentrate it, it's super viscous. means it's almost like a solid at room temperature. It's really, really sticky. And it almost has no aroma associated with it because those molecules don't um, uh, evaporate easily and get into the air. Meanwhile, what you're smelling when you smell cannabis are the terpenes. And there's a a huge number of terpenes on the planet. And I think cannabis is known for having the uh, most diverse set of terpenes in a single plant. And just some of the main terpenes are like linaloo and and pinene and um, uh, um, myrcene. And so each of those different terpenes Essential oils have different uh, aromas. So, pinene is a good example. It's found in juniper berries and it's found mm. in pine needles, and it has that piney smell. And for the gin drinkers and gin, drink, gin lovers out there, you'll know that quintessential gin aroma comes from from juniper berries. That and, and it's not it's not it's this terpene known pinene that's in that juniper berry. Well, in the cannabis space or the medical cannabis space in particular, these different terpenes are known to have different uh, effects on your body. So certain terpenes are known to be very calming, like linaloo. It's found in cannabis, but it's also found in chamomile um, flour. So most people know or have been told that if you can't sleep at night, you want a natural remedy, you drink a glass of chamomile tea and it helps you go to sleep. Um, And so in the the cannabis world, the indica strains of cannabis are known to have a predominance of these more calming terpenes, so like linaloo and myrcene. On the other hand, there's other um, sativa strains of cannabis that have a larger proportion of the more uplifting terpenes, um, like pinene or like limonene. And so if you're patient, cannabis patient, and you're being treated for, let's say, PTSD, you probably don't, you, you might be suffering from anxiety or <laughs> paranoia. So you want to have a strain of cannabis that has more of those calming terpenes or the uh, the Indica strains. Whereas if you're a cancer patient and you have lost your appetite, you want to have a stimulative experience. So you'll be uh, prescribed a strain of, of sativa. So now we shift to the to the gin world, right? So most gins are uh, marketed as having an exotic blend of of um, botanicals. So Monkey Forty Seven's got forty seven different botanicals, and you know, go down the the list. and And certain uh, gins will actually list on their on their like say Bombay I think they've got uh, nine or ten botanicals, and they've got pictures of the botanicals on the side of the on the bottle. So when we decided to make our gins, we said, let's not focus on the botanicals, but let's instead focus on the terpenes and the effects that those terpenes have on your body. So we made three gins um, consistent with the world of cannabis. So in cannabis, there's Indicas, we discussed, there's um, the Sativas, we discussed, and then there's hybrids, which is kind of a blend of, of the uplifting and the and the calming terpenes. So, we developed three gins. One's an Indica gin, one's a Sativa gin, and one's a hybrid gin. Well, when I, all alcoholic beverages have to be approved at the federal government, both from a formula perspective and also from a label perspective. So, we submitted our Indica, Sativa, and hybrid gin labels. And guess what? The federal government said, those are references to drugs. You can't use those names. <laughs> So we had to go back to the drawing board and try to be clever. So then we came up with our midnight gin, which is, you know, it's a calming gin. We have our sativa gin, which is called Bangtail. As you said, it's a Navy strength gin. So it means it's got 114 uh, proof. And then our sky sail gin is our, our hybrid gin. So that's the story behind our gin so um, we can't make uh, medicinal claims about our gins but whether it's a placebo effect or in fact the terpenes that we're using but we've been told that you know I hey, come home from work I really need to chill out so I I put a uh, some uh, our, your ma- your midnight gin on a, in a glass with a couple ice cubes and it really mellows me out or hey it's a Friday night I'm going to go out pre-gaming so I drink your bangtail gin and I'm ready to go
0: That's so cool. Very clever. And I love how you think so differently than a lot of this world, that you're embracing this new aspect, which does have very similar parallels to the alcohol industry. I just applaud you for that. Well done.
1: Thank you. Well, I, you know, there's functional beverages are a thing now, whether it's, you know, uh, an energy shot or You know CBDs now um, because it's CBD is is um, if it's extracted from the hemp plant is no longer a Schedule One drug, so it can be incorporated uh, more readily into foods and beverages, and so that's why you've seen a proliferation of these CBD products. Mm. But you um, unfortunately for me or for other people in the alcoholic beverage space. Even though CBD is no longer a Schedule One drug, you would think that, oh, okay, it's not federally illegal, so we should be able to put it into alcoholic beverages. And in fact, there's some research out there that seems to indicate that if you consume CBD and alcohol at the same time, the CBD lowers your blood alcohol content relative to not ingesting CBD at the same time, but without affecting the mood modification that you get from from alcohol, so you see, feel the same buzz, but the next day you wake up, you're not hung over because you you don't have as less blood alcohol. So um, I was very interested in, in incorporating CBD into my my spirits, but I quickly learned that you can't do that because even though CBD is no longer schedule one drug, it's not federally illegal my regulator for alcoholic beverages is the alcohol and tobacco tax trade bureau ttb for short and so they look to the dea when it comes to thc so the dea says thc is illegal so you can't put thc in an alcoholic beverage bottle (sighs) thc no longer regulates cbd but the fda raised their hand says wait a second we are regulating cbd and we've not yet certified that alcohol mixed with CBD is a good idea. So you can't do that. So my regulator defaults to the the FDA for CBD. So I can't put CBD in, in my bottle. So oh, anyways.
0: goodness, what yeah. a bunch of legal bullshit.
1: Yes. I I spent a lot of times, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm, I've had to train myself how to read regs and deal with the regulators. And so, that's a big part of what we do here.
0: Oof. yeah, the the less sung parts of being a distiller and owning an alcohol company, all the red tape you have to go through.
2: Exactly. Which which is all of the which is all of the tape. Um yeah, it's the TTB's and I think I mentioned this the last time on on an episode where we talked about the TTB and the fact that there's three people trying to to um approve this application or that application and none of them talk to each other and none of them know what the hell they're talking about. So uh I've been many distillers over the years complain why did this get approved, but 10 minutes later this other one didn't. Um and uh the TTB they do you know they do what they have to do, but it's also one of the most unnecessary agencies, in my opinion. Um I, I'm not a you know, you know, let's get rid of all the regulation type of person, but it's 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 one of the, the more unnecessary uh regulators in the uh in the space. So if it
0: wasn't such a pain in the fucking ass.
2: Um yeah. So let's uh let's 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 jump into some stuff here. If you're Ted, if you're you're sitting down, it's a Tuesday evening, you've you've had dinner it's time to to kind of sit in the solarium in the library uh it's it's cocktail time
0: your smoking Uh, jacket
2: you you got your smoking jacket on you got your slippers on uh what is the cocktail you're making
1: so if it depends so if i just want to not be um have a complex cocktail my go-to spirit is our single barrel cast strength
2: double gold bourbon oh it's so good so i'm looking for that on my desk and i am not seeing it so you're not
1: so when we first started making whiskey back in 2016 which i started doing before i had my distillery and i I found a a distillery in Pennsylvania that I contract is still there using our custom mash bill for a few years before we opened here, um, knowing that I wanted to have really good whiskey <clears throat> available when we opened our doors. But since in a 53 gallon cask, which is a standard cask, it, t- it takes at least four years uh, to age before I, I feel it's uh, worthy of being released. So we put about 50% of our production in 25 gallon barrels because you can accelerate the uh, aging process in a smaller barrel for reasons of physics. we get into that if you're interested, but I'll skip that for now. Um, so for the first couple years of our existence, we released our whiskey out of a two uh, or 25 gallon barrels. But then in uh, December of 2020, my first 53 gallon uh, cask was about three and a half years old. And I said, okay, it's that's time to see if if this, how good this whiskey is after being in the 53 gallon barrel for almost four years. So I, I opened it up, used our barrel thief and got a small sample out of it. And, um, under, um, us regs in order to qualify as a bourbon, you have to distill it at no greater than 180 proof. And it's gotta be put in a barrel, at no greater than 125 proof. So that's barrel strength is Is a pretty, you know, a lot of heat, a lot of alcohol. So I sampled it. I said, man, this is really good. I downproofed it to our standard proof for our standard releases of 92 proof. I said, you know, it is so good at 125 proof. I'm not going to, I don't want to. To bastardize it and, and ruin it, so we we bottled that at the at cast strength. It's actually 126 uh, proof because there was some evap- evaporation. And I said, "This is so good, I'm going to enter this into the San Francisco World Spirits Competition in 2021." And sure enough, that was our first double gold. So back to your question, Justin, that's my go-to. So if I'm just want a real simple, you know, pure bourbon experience, I'll just. Or maybe a finger or two of of uh, my uh, single cast uh, barrel strength double gold uh, whiskey and don't even put it on ice uh, maybe with a drop or two of, of water just kind of open it up a little bit and just sip it on it for you know a, a, a nice long time and enjoy the evening so that's that's the answer to that question
2: and what cigar are you smoking with
1: this (laughs) you know back in i don't know 20 years ago out with my brothers and we were having a one of those uh bonding weekends and my one of my brothers had some cubans i think this was probably back before you could actually legally buy cubans i don't know if you can do cubans or not but anyways you know back in the day cubans was like a really cool thing and um I was not a cigar smoker and I became less of a cigar smoker after that because <laughs> I had a very bad experience and haven't touched one since. So I, I'm I'm okay if I'm around people smoking cigars. This the smoke doesn't bother me, but I've decided that that's a vice I don't need to pick up. You know, I remember getting like dizzy and almost passing out, and oh, I woke up the next morning, my mouth tasted you, horrible. So you, you inhaled, didn't you? Um, uh, probably something I didn't know yeah. I was supposed to do. So anyways, I have no cigars for me.
2: Understood. Um, all right. Well that's fine. I'll uh, I'll bring a cigar. You can smoke a pipe, whatever, you yeah. know, whatever you want to do. Um but yeah, let's set this up for Tuesday. I'm I'm down. She's <laughs> so, gonna yeah.
0: fly all the way out here. <laughs>
2: I've I've flown across country for less. Um so
0: uh Ted, so you have a, a nice selection of fabulous gins you have your bourbon and your cask strength which i fucking love So very lucky enough to get to try that at the distillery you have your flavored bourbon your rtds your and also your medi to rick's threesome cocktails you are doing a lot my friend what else is in the works what other products do you have down the pipeline or what goals yeah. and dreams do you have yeah. for your yeah. distillery
1: Uh, Again, given today's 420, this is probably the first time I'm announcing in public um, the following new products. So due to my, I spent probably six or seven years in the cannabis space and know that space really, really well. And as I said earlier in the show, uh, when I started this brand, I felt that there was going to be this collision course between spirits and, and, and cannabis. So um, we talked about using hemp seed in the mash bill in 1420 and the reference you know this the nudge uh, a nod to uh, the, the the prohibition and cannabis these days and our um, cinnamon bourbon its name is blaze and people that are you know cannabis friendly or probably know there's that's another um, reference to the cannabis space and so um and back of my mind, or maybe not even the back of my mind, when I first developed the blaze whiskey, I realized that the flavor profile, which was really fabulous, um, we could probably engineer a solution that would allow us to extract the, the alcohol from the spirit to make it a non-alc product. But then rather than using alcohol to get a little bit of a mood modification, we could add THC. And so now you could have a THC beverage. And there's in the cannabis space, there's multiple, you know, you can buy gummies in certain states, you can buy cookies. And there's some several seltzers out there right now, but I've not yet run across any spirits based THC product so you think you know, you t- you heard me ask me before Justin asked me you know if I want to have enjoy I sit down with a, a glass of my bourbon um so there's nothing like that in the cannabis space you know you eat a gummy or you drink a seltzer so my idea was like okay, a blaze would lend itself really well to a THC infused non alk version because federal levels regs won't let you have both in the same bottle so um I was down in Maryland earlier this year, where I'm good friends with the largest um, grower manufacturer down there. And we have a verbal agreement. We're going through the the legal documentation right now where we will start um, manufacturing under their license because you have to have a license to, to handle THC. So we'll be making the juice here, extracting the THC or extracting the alcohol from our blaze whiskey ship it down to their manufacturing facility in Maryland. And since it's got no THC in it um, or alcohol, we can freely uh, engage in interstate commerce where normally you can do that. And then in their facility, they'll have their plants that they grow, they'll extract THC, and then it will be infused with THC. So the first product we're going to release is a 50 ml airline style bottle that will have 10 milligrams of THC in it. So it can be used as a shot. It can be used as a mixer in a, in a cocktail. So that's the next product to answer your question.
0: Well, I am very much looking forward to my trip down to Maryland soon. That's exciting.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so and then the idea is that once we perfect and develop uh, this product and see if it's successful down in Maryland, Connecticut now has a a recreational um, cannabis, Um, it's legal here in in Connecticut. So then I'll just have to identify a manufacturer in Connecticut that I can team up with and license our brand Mm -hmm. to them. So we already distribute our, our, our spirits down in Maryland. Obviously we distribute our spirits here in Connecticut. So a consumer hopefully in a very near future, future, we'll be able to go into a liquor store and buy a bottle of our our Blaze whiskey. Um, And then if they so choose, they can go to the dispensary down the street and buy a bottle of our Blaze THC. And so depending on how they want to uh, modify their mood, they can drink the alcohol or they can drink the THC version. So coming soon. so cool.
0: So cool. Yeah, Connecticut is still a little up in the air because we had brought in some THC NA seltzers for a day. And then the government was like, wait, nope, we don't understand this enough. And so they yoinked them back. And eventually, I mean, things are in the works. Things are moving. And even just getting to see the THC NA version would be great here in the state. Yep. So well done. Being a trail blazer.
2: So I like bad. How, but, I, like
1: I see what you did there. That was very cool. Nah. Yeah.
0: It's too early in the day for me still. I mean it's past noon, but oh my god, I'm not an early bird, that's for sure.
2: Um all right. Well um can you tell us where we can find your your products? Yep, sure. So
1: um, we are currently in Connecticut, and we have probably in about 250 different stores throughout Connecticut. We're in New York. We don't our footprint's not as great there, but we're in uh, Westchester County. There's uh, probably a dozen stores in New York City, and we are now in five stores out on Long Island. I then also have a distributor down in Maryland, so we're probably in 75 or 80 stores in Maryland we're out on the Delaware um, coast and then we're in DC. Um, If you go to our website, so I'll put a plug in there for that. It's sono 1420com And if you go to the shopping uh, link on our website, there's a map um, that shows both here in Connecticut, where you can, Connecticut and and New York and, and DC and Maryland, where the stores are. But then if if you're not near a store, we also ship to 28 states uh, throughout the country. So and there's a map on there that shows which state. So if you're so um, inclined to get our products, uh, you should be able to uh, get them unless you're in one of those unlucky states that
2: we're not in currently. <clears throat> OK, um, fantastic. Well, Ted, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, be sure to follow them at SONO1420 uh, on the social medias. Um, follow us and all that stuff. Um, and uh, Julia, bring us home.
0: All right, folks. Ted, again, it was an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for your time and your delicious products. Everybody, go out, search, and try and find their products, or I'll get them shipped directly to you. They are totally worth it. And be sure to join us next time when we discuss those assholes who only want Fireball.
1: <laughs> no I agree. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. Download Almost Anywhere, join our Facebook group and follow us at Swig and Ramble on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook and Twitter for more fermented fuckery. Cheers!